hate to break up the chatter. I promise I will try to get done so you can finish your conversations. One of the things I've been worried about, I haven't streamed that much, I've been the ones being streamed, is that during uh, the stream, everybody feels totally free to just chat alongside the message in real time. Don't do that here, okay? <laughs> Before we jump into the text, I want to bring a couple of just really important updates, and I recognize we've had a lot of that already, so just hang in there with me. Just as a general reminder, you might or might not know this, totally understand that Los Angeles County issued a new uh, kind of rules around indoor masking. If you're not aware by now, the city of Pasadena has its own public health, and as of current, uh, Pasadena has not issued the same uh, kind of rule. So we, yeah, we're grateful. And just so you know, if there is a change in what we are going to do, we will update you. So no news is no change. How about that? And I also want to just say, uh, you're more than welcome, as some of you are, and I think we need to continue to be very respectful of one another. Uh, feel free to wear a mask if that's where you're at. I also want you to know if you are struggling, I'm not looking for a debate, honestly. But if some of you are trying to understand vaccine, no vaccine, hearing all these things, if you would like to reach out to me over email, I'll help you understand how I come to see uh, why I would support getting a vaccine, if you want to understand how I view that. I'm not looking to debate anybody who's not, but if you're truly in a place of wondering how the Lord and how the scripture speaks to that for me, I'd be more than happy to share that with you. Um, but you are welcome to wear a mask here as long as you feel you need to, and we will update you on any change. Also, you've heard that today at 11.30, so as you go back to your car, uh, you'll see all of our junior high and, uh, and middle school and high school students and a couple of buses, and they are going up to the very camp that I was at last weekend. Uh, so please pray for our middle school students and our high school students. And I, just by way of update, had an incredible time with our fourth and fifth grade boys. Paul Bowser, who's part of our church family, is an LAPD detective and a senior pastor. How bummed were those boys to get us <laughs> as counselors? Um, but honestly, we had seven boys with us the entire time. All seven boys either gave their life to Jesus or gave their life to Jesus again. Um, they are exceptional young men. And I want to open with a story as we talk about worship. I love that we have a really young group of fourth and fifth graders. When my oldest was in fourth and fifth grade, I think they were already talking about their, their struggles and, and just deep emotional conversation. Now, we had a group of boys who collected probably about 56 sticks and made them into every weapon you can imagine. <laughs> and during all the free time opportunities, what they were interested in doing was going to the pond, which was truly just a water feature at the camp, it was not a pond, and hunt water bugs. It was amazing. Hours, hours hunting water bugs while every middle, fourth and fifth grade girl in the camp was so offended about the lives they were taking of these mosquitoes. These boys oblivious that the crowd of girls just kept growing around them, they could care less. It was amazing. 
But on cue every single time, we have chapel time two times a day. When the chapel bell rang, and I promise you I'm not exaggerating, they dropped their sticks, ran to our cabin, grabbed their Bibles and notebooks, and then ran to be first in line at chapel and sat in the first three rows the entire time. Now, sure, amen. Do you guys remember the teaching of Jesus where he says, unless we're like the little children, we'll never understand the kingdom? Before we jump into the text today, my question for myself and for each one of us is what do you need to drop down right now? Hold on to your scripture and be eager about what God might say to you this morning. Let's take a moment and prepare our hearts. Father, whatever we bring into this space from our week, from our lives, from the world we live in, God, would you help us be like fourth grade boys, that we would lay that down in this moment and with an eagerness and an excitement, might we come to you through your word, wanting to hear from you a fresh word, a new word, a word that might help us when we leave here to know just exactly what we can keep laying down and what we might need to pick up differently. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Grateful for last week, Pastor Greg, to be with us. Thankful again to be in this homecoming series. The subtitle of our homecoming series is Celebrating Our Togetherness. And I understand the irony of a statement like that in a world you and I live in in a nation that you and I live in. Frankly, part of a church, the church of Jesus in a whole and even in parts of our own local church to celebrate our togetherness when togetherness seems to be on the line. When togetherness is not our default headline. When togetherness is not our default connection with one another. And we come to this series of homecoming after being apart from one another, wanting to be reminded, or for many of you, maybe hearing for the first time, what God has called us to be here at Lake Avenue Church. And a togetherness you will see throughout our guiding document, throughout the very uh, thing, the words, the phrases, the mission, the vision, the essentials, all the things that we have discerned that God wants us to be about at Lake Avenue Church is about a connection to God and connection with one another for the sake of the gospel and for God's glory in this world. And so we come from a world that does not celebrate togetherness we come from a world that actually has algorithms to keep us separated. We come from most of our days and weeks focused on what divides rather than what brings us together. And for these short moments for some of us, in comparison to how much separation we hear, we come into this space for maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes, and we hear a counter message in the songs that we sing, in the prayers that we pray, and the very scriptures that we learn from that say there's a different way of being. 
There's a way of being where we come into contact with the living God and a result of that kind of worship, that re the result of being in the very presence of God actually has a very different desire and outcome from the world you and I live in. And over the next three weeks, we're going to try to put some meat on the bones, essentially to ask this question, what does it mean to be all in at Lake Avenue Church? When you become a new member at Lake Avenue Church, I have the great privilege to go through the entire guiding document. It's amazing. You can do that in 20 minutes in a seminar. I'm, we're going to take eight, nine weeks to do that here, to go in much more depth. And, and when we get to these community essentials, sometimes we call them essential connections, sometimes essential commitments, really these three things, this week and the next two weeks, answer the question, if I wanna be all in at Lake Avenue Church, if this is a place where I've chosen to, to be and to grow in Christ, what are the essential aspects in a church that has a ton of things going on, as you're already aware? At the very basic level, what does it look like to grow in Jesus and to be a part of this church family? And those essentials are worshiping in unity, growing in grace-filled communities, and serving God's mission. This week, worshiping in unity. And just so you know, the, uh, the timestamp on this guiding document is not current. I think when we wrote and, and voted in this idea of worshiping in unity, I would argue the world was not as divided as it is today. When we sense God calling us through his scripture to be his church that comes together across age, across ethnicity, across socioeconomic differences, all the categories in our world that divide us from one another, we sense the way the scripture is written and what God wants for his church is to be a whole church, unified. When we wrote this and when we adopted this, it spoke more to some more recent history in the church where there was a divide and conquer philosophy. We even had that here at one point. Nothing wrong with it, to be honest, just a different season. Here's how we might gain more worshipers for Jesus. Let's get uh, all the 20 year olds together, give them a room, give them a pastor and say, go for it, build the empire, 20 year olds. 30 year olds the same way, 40 year olds. When I came to Lake Avenue Church, remember seasons of life, wherever your decade was, you got a particular pastor, you never honored it. You found your favorite pastor anyway and just stuck with them. Roger, good to see you today. It was a divide and conquer philosophy that was desired that this was the best we could do. We felt like God was inviting us to, to go in lots of different spaces, proclaim the name of Jesus, reach people that way, and yet you are a part of a church in this current moment where the philosophy is different. It's a deep belief that what we read about in scripture, when it's all said and done, there'll be none of those divisions when we're worshiping in heaven. In Revelation 7, 9, every tongue, tribe, and nation will be gathered around the throne with one voice in that unique language, declaring praises to God. And we believe that God has called us to be a church that worships in that kind of unity here and now, since that's how it's going to be forever. Unity, that point, when we adopted, had much more to do with worship style than it had to do with the other divisions that are present for us in this world and in our church. 
But as a confirmation of the Spirit leading us, I think this worshiping in unity is more important than ever. Because it identifies a counter way of living that might, if we can be faithful and God would grace us with his favor, might demonstrate to a divided world, a divided narrative, a divided people, a divided nation, a divided school, divided families, divided neighborhoods, divided on everything. Man, those people of God at Lake Avenue Church, they come together across all kinds of wild differences proclaiming the name of Jesus. When we say worshiping in unity, don't worry, I'm getting to the text. We are specifically talking about this gathered worship space. There is a larger call of worship on each one of us, meaning this, if this is the only time you worship Jesus, friends, that's not how God wants it to be. Worship's a lifestyle. Worship is every moment of our lives, has the opportunity to be every moment. But to be all in at Lake Avenue Church, we really value this gathered corporate worship time across all of those differences. And I pray that the text today might give us a, some insight as to why. If you have the scriptures with you and you're able, please open up to Psalm 29. And would you stand for the reading of God's word? Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a wild young ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. All in his temple cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Just by way of some context, Psalms is one of five books in the Bible that's the wisdom literature of the Bible. And we can go into all the uniqueness of that, but in essence, what I want you to understand about Psalms, and I've said this before, is in the five books of this kind of poetry and the art in the Bible, the point of view is a human being expressing back to God what it's like to live in his world. And in the Psalms in particular, and Greg mentioned this last week, uh, picture this as the hymn book, as the worship music, as the liturgy of those who gathered in the temple. So when people would come to worship, there was all kinds of ritual. There was an offering ritual. There was a place you sat ritual. And the Psalms were the very books and pieces of poetry that the people of God used to express back to God who he is and what it's like to live in his world. 
It's important to understand that as we come to Psalms, we're really coming to creative writing. And we come to Psalms, we're coming to God's word, but it's art. And, and I become someone every time we preach from Psalms or Proverbs or Song of Songs or Job or Ecclesiastes, I become somebody I don't really like. And it's somebody who critiques art. It's someone who gets really close to the art and, and pulls it apart. Honestly, I love going to art and just being moved by what it is. I'm not wired in the way some of you are wired. But it's God's word and we've got to come to this piece of art. And the best way we can really dive in and understand what it is saying is by getting in there and trying to break it up. What is the writer doing here in these couple of verses and then this section and trying to just dig in. And so I'm going to really encourage you to keep Psalm 29 close to you. Keep it open on your phone. Keep it open in the Bible in front of you because we're going to be coming in to understand what the psalmist is communicating. There's three movements in this piece of poetry. There's three movements in this psalm that I want us to, to recognize. The first one are verses one and two. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm begins with an imperative, with a call to the people of God to recognize who God is and to ascribe strength, to ascribe glory, to ascribe power to God. And in essence, when we ascribe to the Lord who he is, we're also recognizing who we are not. The psalmist is saying, come and, and give glory, give credit, give honor, give precedence, give authority to the Lord who is all powerful, who has all strength, who is due all glory in this world and worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, of his uniqueness, of his differentness than all of us. The first two uh, verses in Psalm 29 are meant as a call to worship to describe that it's all about God and his glory and his strength and we worship him and he is holy and in telling God who he is, there is a recognition of who we're not. Which means for you and me who go about our week so often, trying to receive glory, trying to receive recognition, trying to have power, trying to be the one at the center of the story, that when we come into worship, we begin with recognizing it's not about us. It's about the Lord. A few years ago, one of my favorite bands growing up was attempting to get back together. And they had a crowdsourcing um, page and if you gave it a certain level, you got to go to the concert in Hollywood and actually have uh, dinner with them. Dinner with them was really a couple chicken wings and a Diet Coke. But Jenny was so kind for my birthdays to support this band at a certain level and we had a date night and we go out to visit the band and we stood in this line forever to meet the band. And, and standing in line, I recognized a couple of things. One, I am old, I am old. I'm like, look, okay, this is humbling, dear. Jenny was the youngest looking person in the whole place. But as we were standing with these other fans, and as they were talking about their excitement to meet the band, 
what I, what I walked away from is I couldn't tell if people really liked the band or if they just liked the one or two songs the band sang. I mean, they, they, it was really not a conversation about meeting the four men who played the music. It was a conversation where I really hope they play Walk on the Ocean. If anybody knows who the band is, you can tell me later. Man, I really hope they play Brother. Man, if they don't play, I'm going to be so disappointed. And I thought to myself, this is interesting. There's a difference between being very excited about meeting this band or just wanting to get close for what the band has done for you in one particular song. I think the temptation with worship is the same thing for those of us who follow Jesus. That oftentimes we run into a space that's supposed to be about God and we really just want God, the pastor, the church service, whatever we're doing, just play the hits. May I hope when I come into work, I ascribe to my worship experience the song that I really like. Ascribe to this hour and a half what I want it to be. The psalmist begins saying when we worship the Lord, when we come to him, we ascribe to God who he is and by Direct connection, it describes who we're not. It puts the Lord as the priority, the Lord as the focus, his power, his glory, worshiping his name, recognizing his holiness is what worship is all about. It is not about us coming into a church building and say, play the hits, God. Ascribing to the Lord who he is, is what worship is all about. The psalmist will continue for the next several verses, verses three to nine, to go, let me tell you who the God is. Here's why this God gets glory. Here's why this God who we've come to worship has all power. Here's why this God is, is holy and separate from us, because what this God does, what Yahweh does, is so wholly different than anything a human being can do. And in this context, the psalmist is also taking some jabs at other deities of the neighboring countries, the Canaanites in particular. And so what we have in this psalm is a demonstration over and over again in the second movement, verses three to nine, just how glorious, just how holy, just how powerful the God who we have come to worship is says that the voice of the Lord, anytime you see Lord in the Bible, L-O-R-D, all capital letters, it's a specific name, Yahweh. It's not a general name for God, not a general name for the Lord, it's specific Yahweh. His voice is over the waters in verse three. His voice thunders, verse three. Let's get more specific, not just the waters, the calm ones, the rough ones, over the mighty waters, verse three, the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord in verse five breaks the cedars. Uh, breaks, the, breaks to pieces the cedars in Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert, verse eight. Specifically the desert of Kadesh, because we're trying to understand that the, this, this psalm is written to say, hey, I know you have a God who's over the desert of Kadesh. Uh, our God actually shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks strips the forest bare. Do you get the imagery? And I love art, right? Because there's a literalness to all of this. 
Uh, for a neighboring country who believes that their deities lived in the mountains, for the psalmist to declare uh, our God's over the mountains, he shakes the mountains, he twists the oaks. Your God lives in the trees, our God splits trees. The glorious, powerful holiness of God in this psalm is about the psalmist declaring just why this God is worthy of our worship. Why when we come, it's not about us. It's not about what we think. It's about ascribing to God who God is in this world. We have a God, friends, who breaks and strikes and shakes and twists and strips. And when we come to worship and we declare to him, that he's holy, that he has all the glory, that he has all the strength, that he has all the power, we ought to get ready for the voice of the Lord to continue to do what he does, which means the voice of the Lord when we worship will break us, will strike us, shake us, twist us, strips us. So let's be careful. When we come to worship the Lord and we elevate his name and his ways and ascribe to him everything that's about him, are you expecting the living God to break some things up in your life? Are you expecting the living God, Yahweh, to twist some things that you came in thinking? Are you expecting God to strip and twist and shake and strike? Or do we often just come into worship hoping that it was a good morning? When we gather to worship, we ascribe to the Lord all the glory to his name. We ascribe to the Lord strength and honor. We worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And the reason we do that is because our God, the living God, is over every circumstance that you and I face. That our God is over all of the weather patterns. He's over all the rough waters of your life. He's over all the difficulty of your week. So that when we come into this space and declare who God is, we are asking God to be himself in our lives. And to be himself in our circumstance. And to be himself in, in everything that we are facing. And we can come with the expectancy into worship that God will break in in the places where we believe are unbreakable. Not only does the, does the psalmist in verses three to nine talk about the, what God, uh, what the voice does, listen to where the voice goes. Did you hear it? The voice of the Lord is in the sky, it's in the sea, it's in the land, it's in the mountains, it's in the wilderness. In essence, the writer in this piece of art is saying, there is no place in all of creation where the voice of the Lord is not. And in fact, the voice of the Lord is over all of creation. It's a picture of majesty. It's a picture of massiveness. It's a, it's a picture of a God who, who speaks and things twist and shake and break up. And it speaks of a God that we can't get away from. Any circumstance, any geography, any place on the globe or the map, even if you have enough money to fly up to space and back, the voice of the Lord is there too. The voice goes everywhere. Creation, this image of creation, the spance of Yahweh is everywhere. So why we gather here, Lake Avenue Church, let's be very clear. Old Testament versus New Testament church. Old Testament, the voice of the Lord, even the Lord is declaring in here, but the people would gather because when we came to worship, that's where we would meet Jesus and the rest of our week, you know, he wasn't as present. 
We're a New Testament church. We gather here to remind ourselves of the reality of what's true outside of here, that God is everywhere. He's in your office. He's over your office. He's in your home. Sending my oldest to camp today, I have to believe that the voice of the Lord is over him. And as much as I want, I'm paying him to drink water only and put on sunscreen three times a day. I have to trust that the voice of the Lord is going to take care of him when I'm not there. Everywhere in your life, every relationship, every circumstance, every place God has you, the voice of the Lord is over. And we do not default to that, church. We need to come together and worship together to be reminded of just how expansive our God is because truth be told, each one of us several times a week are fearful that God isn't really in control. We forget. We believe that it's on us to figure it all out. That if we just had enough power, authority, influence, then, then, then the, the real problems of the world would be put away. And the psalmist is pointing us to ascribe to the Lord who he is in worship and remembering that it's his world and it's his ways that come into every literal geographic area and the voice of the Lord comes and does what the voice of the Lord is going to do. I mean, do you get the picture how big this God is being made by the psalmist? The one who, who breaks down the cedars of Lebanon. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's even humor in this. We just don't get it. So when he says, uh, the voice of the Lord in verses five and six, I love this. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian like a wild ox. Um, spastic, immature animals. A neighboring country that said, see these trees? See this mountain? This is where our, see how majestic it is? See how, how massive this, this mountain and these trees are? That's where our deity lives. And the psalmist goes, uh, our Lord splits those trees and he makes them actually look like an out of control animal. Immature. Like a little, little fox, little ox, little, a little calf. I, mean, I love it. Pointing to the massiveness of our God, but the psalmist ends in a very small place. In a very focused place. And such is what it means to worship the true and living God. And when, when the psalmist says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Some, this, the Lord sits enthroned as a king forever. Big God, big world over it all. Verse 11. But the Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with peace. You see the fullness of what it means to be worshiping the fullness of who our God is? Powerful, yes, but personal. A God who doesn't just sit and crack trees from heaven, but a God who sits and blesses his people and gives them peace. A God who gives strength to us to live our life. There's no other God like our God, Lake Avenue Church. And if you don't know our God, there's no other God who is all powerful, who's do all the glory of this world and yet still becomes very personal. A powerful God who is personal, a God who is over all but right in us. A God who is holy and separate and yet a God who is close to us. A God who is totally unique and yet completely close. 
Psalmist is doubling down on this idea of God's glory. And if we follow the word glory throughout the scripture, you'll recognize that the full manifestation of God's glory is, is ultimately found in Jesus, who also is extremely powerful, but incredibly personal. In Jesus, the, the living God becoming flesh, dying for us, recognizing the holiness of God and who we are as human beings, they just can't even be in existence without, without Jesus' death and resurrection. And in John 17, before Jesus is arrested, he's praying to his father. And you, you might remember this, father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people and he might give eternal life to all those who have give, you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, the Jesus and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Lake Avenue Church, here's the beautiful thing. Some of you have traveled this summer. Some of you are going to travel. You're gonna be in some beautiful parts of this world and you're gonna see trees and you're going to see seas and you're going to see the majesty of God's creation. And in those moments, you have an opportunity to give glory to God for who he is as a creator. And yet each one of us also can know the living God in real time as a real person in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's through him sacrificing himself for us that we can also give glory to God by recognizing that God is glorified through him. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. And we here at Lake Avenue Church to be all in, to say we're all in, we're gonna worship in unity together declaring who God is, coming into worship, to ascribe to the Lord his ways, to ascribe to the Lord that he is all powerful and mighty and glorious, to ascribe to the Lord that there's no situation in this world, there's no situation in our life, there's no moment in our even congregational life that is above God breaking and twisting and doing whatever he's going to do. There's no place in this world, no person in this world that can't access and understand the glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ. We are gonna come week in and week out and that's why we come to worship. It's not about playing the hits. It's about meeting the living God. And I pray for you and for me in the seasons ahead that if we are all in about Jesus, that we would drop our sticks, pick up our Bibles and run with an expectant heart into this space week in and week out, expecting to hear from God as we lift up the name of God. That's what worship is. So by way of application, we come into this space and I invite you today and in coming days to declare who the living God is, to declare who Jesus is and his ways. That's why we come. I don't know about you, but there's just sometimes a particular song kind of reorients everything for me. I think there was one today actually, where I was reminded the business that God is in of healing broken hearts. I didn't sit in that pew and go, man, I can heal my own heart. I come to worship and be reminded that I'm worshiping the one who heals broken hearts. How have you come to declare Jesus and his ways today? We come in worship and we submit to God and his ways, which means yes, through the word, 
through times of prayer, through what we sing. We recognize his holiness, his precedent in our life, even in our giving. I mean, the very beginning, God set this up. When my people come to worship me, you give me glory and you recognize that I am everything to you by giving back to me, recognizing that anything you have is because of me. All of it is about giving God glory, not about ourselves. So my question for you and for me is, how'd you come to church today? How did you come to church today? I pray that today you've ascribed to the Lord. That you've ascribed to the Lord all glory, all praise, all honor, all strength. That in as we ascribe to the Lord who he is, it settles us, reminding us of who we're not. I pray that today through singing, through prayer, through everything we've done, even your conversations with one another, that would point to the majestic power of God in this world. And that there's no situation, there's no location, there's no people that God is not involved in. And as majestic and holy and other as our God is, he is incredibly personal. And that when we gather in worship, I pray that each week that we would walk away sensing God's strength that he gives us for the week ahead. And that we would sense his blessing of peace that although we come into this space sometime un unsettled, that we would meet the living God in such a way where we live with a little bit more peace as we leave. I'll close with this story, sharing with you one of my prized possessions as a child, and you'll judge me, but that's okay. I don't really care. This is a record, and this is the movie Grease. <laughs> you don't need to email me. I'm very aware of how horrific this movie is as an adult. Sorry, mom, I don't know, mom, I love you, why? Um, record player, growing up, no iPhone, anything, my records were a big deal, and my music was a big deal, and this was, this was everything to me. I still know every song, every order, the whole nine. Uh, I didn't see the movie uh, for a while. I knew the music, but I'd never seen the movie. In fact, I don't know if I saw the movie until I was you know, past 13 or something. And then I remember seeing the movie for the first time, and it was not as beautiful um, as the music. And then it came out many, many years ago, if you remember, there was a re-release. And I drove from Pasadena, picked up my mom, took her out to a movie, and we watched Grease together in the theater, to which I was confirmed that I will never show this movie to my child. <laughs> I mean, the, the basic story, right, is just change everything about yourself for somebody else. Uh, just, just, just be around people in such a way, care what the, your, your friends think, uh, change your physical, I mean, the final scene. I don't know about you, I thought Olivia Newton-John was very, she was just fine the whole movie. She didn't need to get all curled up and all the nine. But the basic thing here is if you want the relationship, just compromise everything about who you are. So it gets to a point where it's socially acceptable for you to be with another person. As a youth pastor, this message grieves me. It's not a movie I've shown my child. They do know the music, though. <laughs> Can I admit to you that there are so many days where I wish I didn't, <laughs> I could just go back. I just go back to being in my room listening to the music, and I didn't know. I didn't know all the, the other things about it. Right? Because if I could go back to my room and just, just play the song and be in that space, it's such a positive memory. 
And I long for those days of innocence. I long for those days where I could understand all of this by looking at a few pictures, because it's one of these ones. listening to the songs and it just it just was comforting it was amazing and sometimes I grieve that I saw the movie and I'm aware of what I'm aware because it's literally impossible now to go back to this in the same way Lake Avenue Church I don't know what your early memories are of worship with God I don't know when the good days were we all have them But you and I are in an active and living relationship with God. The world I'm raising my child in is a very different world than one I was raised in. As much as I want to go back and just give him the record and the record player in the room, that's just not his reality. And when we come into worship, I think we honor the Lord in his massiveness by bringing all of ourselves into all of the moment we are living in. And saying, God, speak. Break the cedars of Pasadena. Be over the mighty waters of my life and my heart. Would you twist up the oaks that have got roots that are messing up new growth in our life, in in our church, or in our community? God, do something new. But I'll admit to you, it's all too easy for many of us to just want to go back frankly, to a time that just doesn't exist anymore. But who does exist? The God who's over the waters, who's over the mountains, a God who we can ascribe to. Join me in prayer. Father, would you help each one of us come with the same kind of expectancy as those fourth and fifth grade boys last week at camp? Wanting to be with you. Excited to be focused on you. God, we pray that as we come into this worship space, God, it would be all about you. That it would be about your glory, that it would be about your strength, that it would be about recognizing your presence in this world, in our lives, in our circumstances, asking you to enter and to break up and meet and bring peace to us as we go about seeking to please you and honor you and have our lives give you glory. God, we live in a very me-centered world. We live very me-centered lives. I know I do. We need your help, God, to truly be worshiping in unity, declaring the one thing, the only thing that can unify us, and that's you, God. Help us, Father, to be found faithful, to be in your church in this moment for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we came to this question of how should we end a service that speaks of uh, worshiping in unity, uh, we thought to do it in just a very simple yet important way of just uniting our voices around something that we could sing. And so let me invite you to stand and we want to end by singing the doxology, uniting our voices together. Let's sing this.
one more time, just the voices in the room. Praise God from whom all blessings Amen. Grateful we sang a hit today. If you need prayer this morning for any reason, our prayer team, our pastoral team will be up to my left. We want to walk with you and all you're facing. If you want to learn more about Lake Avenue Church, out in our lobby. And when you pass your way out, when you see Kathy Jones, who has been an usher here for 22 years, would you please wish her a happy birthday today? As you head into this week, go in peace and live by faith. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now in life everlasting. Amen. Have a great week.